interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. I'm, I'm sounding cheerful, but it's it's been a hard week. Uh, we uh, we laid to rest an old friend of Broadcast House here, an old friend of mine, uh, Jenna Sherwood Klein. And uh, uh, grief's funny. It uh, it catches you in in, uh, in different places and different times. And uh, uh, Jenna Jenna and I go all the way back to uh, Irving uh, back then, Irving Junior High, and a long long term relationship. And uh, and then Broadcast House kind of brought us back together again. And so it was uh, neat to have people from uh, junior high, high school, Broadcast House, uh, other parts of Jenna's career to celebrate her life this week. But uh, it got me thinking a lot about grief. And, uh, and I, uh, I think I confused some people because I mentioned at the service that I've given myself the gift of grief. Um, and what I meant by that was is that when you're a pastor, and I'm going to talk today to a pastor, when you're a pastor, people kind of expect you to be up all the time, and we have the hope of, of Christ and the hope of the gospel and the hope of a future with our Lord and all these positive things. Uh, but the reality is things are still hard sometimes here, and we want to just rush past the hard and the grief and get to the, yeah, but it's going to be great someday. And, uh, well, but right now it hurts, and that's okay. Uh, it's, uh, in fact, I have found that if I take time to be sad— actually get through it faster and uh and i process it better and uh so uh that's been kind of what my week is about and so i've i've decided the best way to to handle this is to have another pastor in the studio <laughs> who can pastor me a little bit and so it's great to have pastor tom uh from the people city mission here today how you doing tom i'm doing great and again my condolences too you know i was for 15 years on the air with jenna and joe when they mm. were 107.3 got to know jenna well too and uh, it was a really sad loss. She was a wonderful lady, and uh, she'll be greatly missed. Yes, yes. There, I, I was wondering, now, I'm always familiar with what you do for KLIN, but I've, you've been involved in uh, other aspects of Broadcast House here. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm on uh, six to seven radio stations every week and have been for 20 years here. And uh, mm -hmm. also, I actually had a show, gosh, it would have been 15 years ago, uh, Stu called all over the world. I come in here on Sunday, kind of like you do now, and record mm -hmm. it. I did that for a year, kind of did a show here at the, the broadcast house. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's been a, it's been a long long time uh, in learning radio. When I first came, I didn't know a whole lot about it. But uh, over the years, I've you know become a lot more acquainted with it and some of the folks in it. And it's got some wonderful wonderful people who serve as uh, broadcasters and work here in, at the station, also over at Alpha Media too. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, as I was thinking about, uh, I mean, your work as a pastor and then your work, you know, I don't know, how many years you've been on the mission? Forever? 20 years. Yeah. Can you believe it? I mean, I was, I, I was actually a, a sort of a young guy when I started. <laughs> That's, well, now, uh, well, neither one of us are young guys now. No, that's fact. <laughs> so that, that is a fact. Uh, one of the aspects of that, again, as a pastor and at the mission, just dealing with a grief. It struck me sure. as I was coming here today to meet with you that that you're in one of those. I mean, I I deal with people who are grieving fairly regularly, but that it seems to me like people who are in trouble and need and 
and and dire need and grieving all kinds of loss is is pretty much your everyday reality, right? Sure. Yeah, it's grief kind of mixed with fear, mixed with uh, disappointment, mm-hmm. uh, mixed with uh, a real sense oftentimes of failure, just a number of different things that go through people that have very similar sort of impacts. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, in addition to providing food and shelter, we have to think about that every day because everybody has a unique story of why they're homeless. And uh, there's really, you know, not one reason why someone comes in one set of circumstances. It, it's a whole lot of different circumstances. It could cause someone to come to the People's City Mission. And so we, we think a lot about it. The first thing we do is just environment. Uh, one of the things I did when I first got to the mission, and it took me a couple of years to afford it, but we changed the quality of the food. Uh, today we spend, I think, a little over a million dollars a year with Pegler Cisco and buy really good food. We try to make it as good as, uh, say, a village inn kind of, I don't know if we get there, but we try really hard, have professional mm-hmm, cooks, mm-hmm. have a salad bar with 15 kinds of fixings and good, healthy food and hot, good, nutritious meals. And part of the reason for doing that is if you come to a homeless shelter, in many cases, you're feeling kind of bad about being there, you know, that you ended up in a homeless shelter. So mm-hmm. if you have to say more soup, Pastor Tom, or kind of think of it as a Charles Dickens sort of situation, you might eat it if you're really hungry, but you're really not going to like yourself even more. Yeah. Reverse is also true. When you have really good food, the place is clean, you're being treated with respect and dignity, and you realize it's not bad being at the mission. It's actually a pretty nice place. Mm -hmm. Then what happens is it helps you feel like things are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So environment really is the first place we start when we try to deal with grief and with sort of those kinds of feelings. And then we train our people a lot on de-escalation, on really trying to uh, make the mission a nice place. And it actually came out of Scripture, Stu. When I first got there, the mission was a little bit more tough-fisted about how they did things, and I was trying to change the culture. And the Lord gave me a, a, a scripture, the Good Samaritan. You know the passage. Yeah. And, uh, and um, the guy who got knocked into a ditch, and he had a couple religious people go by and not help him, and then the Samaritan, which the Jews didn't like, those kinds of people help him and, and take care of him. And, and the question I sort of got to in my mind when I was reading this was kind of the insight was, Who's the guy in the ditch? Mm. Was he a good guy or bad guy? What if he was an axe murderer? What if the religious people passed by on the other side because he was despicable? What if he stole the money from the robbers who just took it back? We have no idea Mm. what the guy in the ditch was like. The point is, the Samaritan didn't ask. He helped him based on his need, not his worth. Mm. And that's one of the great things we've had to learn and try to teach people is, especially people who claim to know Jesus, helping people on their need not their worth is so important because that's how God treated us. He helped me based on my need, not Mm. my worth. Mm. You know, uh, and you see a lot of times people, you help them and they're not grateful. And of course you think, well, you're not being grateful, so I don't know if I want to help you. Well, that's helping someone based on their worth. Mm. You help them based on their need. Mm. And and, and we've had to really sort of talk about this needs-based approach, which we we don't look at how they're treating us. We look at what they need. And Mm -hmm. we try to make sure we meet that need. And sort of setting that culture in the place has really helped us be kind of a nice, kind mission. And Mm -hmm. we have to train our people all the time. And we don't do it perfectly, for sure. But we try very, very hard to to not uh, respond in kind, necessarily, but to really look at the person and say, what's best here? And in some cases, what's best is ask them to leave for 20 or 30 days. But it's in their best interest as well as ours. It's not a, Mm -hmm. I'm mad at you, you didn't treat me right, so I'm going to toss you out or... Some of the things that I think some of the other shelters, or some, at least some shelters around the country might do, we, we don't do that. And so 
we're kind of known around the homeless community as being a pretty nice shelter because we started with that and that gets back to helping people deal with those feelings that you said with grief they have to know you're on their side if you're going to help them and so you know they're going through stuff uh, many of them not only having grief but they have a lot of other dysfunctional things happening and if you don't take that into account and just try to look at what it is they need not how they're responding to you Mm -hmm. then it's very difficult to to really get to that helping them with their grief yeah yeah there i mean i need to get back to the mission i haven't been there in a while but the last times i was there i mean it's it's noticeable that it that it there's uh, it's a it's designed to be a pleasant place and a place where you you do feel welcomed and i have eaten in that cafeteria and it is good food yeah no we put up we have professional cooks they do a good job we spend a lot of money at it um try to buy really good, solid stuff and make really good meals. And it does make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Remind the listeners uh, where the uh, mission is roughly located. Yeah, we have two locations. We're, one is uh, at 110 Q Street, and it's right on the other side of the railroad tracks from the Haymarket. So if you go up over the bridge on to West O and turn right there at the very first stoplight, which is First Street, we're just down a couple blocks. Um, then we have another really large facility called the Help Center. And it's right behind East Park Theater is there on 66th and O Street. It's on actually 68th and P Street. There's a little alley that goes along the, along the Big Lots thing there. But um, that's a pretty big facility there. We help, uh, gosh, about 28, a little over 28,000 unduplicated people in the city every year mm. with about four or five million pounds of what I call stuff. A couple million pounds of food, toys, furniture, household goods, everything that folks give us. Mm-hmm. And it's free. People get it all for free. And then what we do in return is we recycle what they don't take or what we have extra of. And uh, it's actually proved to be pretty successful financially. We we actually make 10 times more money and help 10 times more people selling the bad stuff rather than the good stuff. I know that doesn't (laughs) make sense. It sounds counterintuitive, but that's what's actually happened. Oh, that's cool. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, uh, we'll pick up... uh... Uh, a couple of threads. I, I do want to hear what's on the horizon, new opportunities. Sure. But uh, but I also I'm gonna I'll give you a minute to think about this. If you could, if you think about the the problems, the cultural issues that that bring people to the mission. If you had a magic wand, so be thinking during the break here. <laughs> if you had a magic wand, God gave you this magic wand to cure one or two or three of the things that are happening in the culture that would lighten up the load at the mission, what what would be on your list? Yeah. All right. Let's take a little break. It's Friendly Fire Saturday. Uh, talking with uh, Pastor Tom Barber here of the People City Mission. Glad to have you along on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pastor Tom Barber. Uh, you know him. He's, his name is synonymous with the People City Mission. And, uh, uh, hey, 20 years. That's, uh, that's a good stretch. You going to do another 20? You <laughs> sign up for another 20? You know, I'm hoping to get out alive in about five or six. That's my goal. <laughs> well, you never. who knows? Maybe you'll just, just have a burst of energy. And want to do another could, could, twenty? Could happen. I mean, you know, it's it's possible, but yeah. uh, you know, it's a some, to some degree, it's a young man's game. I mean, it, it really is a lot of goes yeah. on there. It takes a lot of energy, and yeah. 
Yeah. I'm 71, so, you know, as, you, as people listening who are in their 70s know, as you start to go down that trail, it gets a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hear you. Uh, before the break, I was, uh, I'm always curious about this kind of thing because you see what brings people into your place and the kind of troubles that are happening right. out there in the, in the culture and the kind of breakdowns that result in the need for uh, places like the mission. And if you had, if you had a magic wand and you could address, perhaps even cure, uh, some of the, some of what's happening out there in Lincoln, in America, what would be, what would be some of the things on your short list of things that problems that, that, that feed, uh, dysfunction, homelessness, uh, these, the kind of breakdowns that you deal with every day. You bet. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of smirking here because I think if I had a magic wand to, I'd probably use it on myself and zap myself to a beach in Florida. But I'd probably <laughs> do with a magic wand, but, well, but, uh, but, fair enough, fair enough. but, but, it, you know, in terms of looking at the problems, you know, there's all sorts of things, but I would say the greatest issue we face that I see is, is a common thread is a lack of family stability. Mm. And and I go back to family, especially dads that stay there, uh, families that stay together, uh, a mom and a dad who loved their kids growing up. I think that's at the heart of a lot of issues that I see. Um, mm. And I know there are reasons why those happen, and I'm not hoping anyone listening feels guilty if they're not in that situation. But, but if you look at just as a whole, a society as a whole, um, I really think that's a, a major major problem we have and we're reaping the whirlwind because mm. of such a change in the family structure and and i you know i understand we we call for diversity and we should and we we want to make sure everyone feels included and good but if you just look at what's happening uh, as i see people when i talk to them or get a chance and i talk to lots of people who have alcohol problems drug problems domestic abuse problems all the various things that people bring if I had to call a common thread when I talk about their family life, it's always a disaster mm. in almost every case. And they came from some really bad family situation in almost every, you know, every instance uh, that I can think of. And it seems to be a common thread. Um, and that doesn't mean that people come from a solid family, that mom and dad stayed together and they were healthy, treated healthy, and it was a good environment. Can't become homeless or be a drug addict or alcoholic. I'm sure that happens. But mm -hmm. when I just talk to people in general, uh, I trying to remember the last time I found someone who was homeless from a really well-functional family. It, it happens so rarely. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's a big, big issue. Certainly not the only issue. Yeah. Um, certainly again, not the people that, uh, come from other things that can't adjust. I mean, my mom and dad divorced when I was five. Mm. Uh, and this is back in the fifties and, and, uh, uh, you know, my mom raised us as working two jobs, you know, she worked for Disney Studios as a PBX operator, you know, on roller skates down below and iron clothes at night. And I come from, you know, uh, that situation, too, and went on to go to college and did really well through business. And now, you know, I'm laughing. I ended up in a homeless shelter, but, you know, still. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, did well. My wife, same thing. We had, She had a father that left her early, and we both raised very, very solid uh, functional families. We've been married happily for 47 years. Our kids now, my Oldest coming on 20 years. They're all in great marriages. Uh, you d you can always turn that around, and it doesn't mean because you come from something you can't create something better down the road. But uh, um, I just I think that's a big issue for the United States. I just really do. And 
and and I think if we don't cure it, and we don't teach guys how to treat women, you know, domestic abuse. You know, we often people say, well, what's the number one leading cause of homelessness? They think it's drugs and alcohol, but it's actually not. The leading cause of homelessness in the United States, and certainly in a suburb like Lincoln, a suburban community, it's domestic violence. Mm. Do you know one in four women are being abused in the United States? And mm. I saw a stat recently here. I got to research it more the organization, but they said one in three women in Nebraska. But even if it's one in four, that's a that's a lot of women. You, we we have you know one hundred and fifty hundred six thousand women. I mean, you start doing the math. It's it's a lot of it's yeah. a lot of people. It doesn't include their kids. And while everybody who's in some sort of a a domestic violence situation maybe can work it out, doesn't have to leave home. Even if five percent leave needed to leave home, which is a lot of people, yeah. that's three or four thousand women without their kids included. And if you put Friendship Home, Fresh Start, and the Mission together, and I think we have the largest number of beds among the three, you'd only have three, four hundred beds. Mm. And so we're not even close mm. to covering that need. And, uh, you know, what they do is they either stay in a bad situation or they couch surf with family and friends, which in some cases is a good thing, in some cases not such a good thing. And and uh, mm. and so, again, these are the kinds of issues that just plague, just plague our society and uh, and people who... Drink and have alcohol problems often came from abusive home situations or came from places that were just really hard to deal with emotionally when they were kids and they coped through drinking or drugs. And that's not true with everybody, but through most of them, you'll find a story that's pretty heartbreaking. And yeah. uh, so, I, you know, if I had a magic wand, I'd suddenly wave it and say, and everyone finds a way to work through their marriages, that guys treat women well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they raise functional families of kids that feel loved by two parents and grow up in that setting. Yeah, just uh, as you were saying that, just this week on the news, I heard a, a young woman uh, tell the story of uh, how she was in, abu- in an abusive marriage, and they were in a public place, and and her husband started berating her, and <laughs> uh, and and somebody, another man, noticed that, and just in the middle of that. Um, didn't like, you know, it wasn't like the white knight on the white horse, but just walked over and, and interrupted and asked a question and, uh, and kind of broke the spell of what mm. was happening there. And she said, even though that she didn't even know his name, doesn't know who he was or never met, never met him again. Yeah. But in that moment, she said, that guy saw me and he gave me the look and he just interrupted and all of a sudden, she said, I'm visible. People see me. Yeah. I'm, I count. And that was the beginning of a turning point in her yeah, life. Absolutely. Is that, I think for a lot of us, um, because what you do is, is, is that the mission is there to, to, to receive people in these tough situations. But yeah. most of us who are not used to this, we probably wouldn't say anything. Uh, any advice for... I mean, again, I'm not saying we should insert ourselves in every situation we see, but right. but how do you, how would you kind of begin to know if maybe I do need to just inquire or or maybe uh, kindly, gently insert myself into a situation and when because my instinct probably as a good Midwesterner is just to mind my own business. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I'm not sure I have a good answer. Um, I think it kind of depends on one's skill level, one's understanding of things. Um, sometimes if people try to insert themselves into something without the ability to do so, they can find themselves in a world of trouble real fast. Um, mm. And so it, it you know, depends on who's listening and what they know about the subject, what 
kind of background they have, how well they can communicate, you know, um, any number of things. And, and, it, and that, that kind of depends. But for certain, what we can all do when we see it is try to find ways to uh, get someone help. If you see some sort of abusive situation, you don't have to be the rescuer. Yeah. You know, you might tell somebody or, or if it's bad enough, obviously call the police. But generally, if, if that's not the situation, just uh, maybe try to find out who some of their friends are. Because sometimes people will listen to somebody they know better than somebody they don't. Yeah. And, and I mean, you just kind of kind of take it on the cuff, you know. And that's yeah. why I said I don't know if I have a good answer. But certainly we can try. We just have to be kind of. The old saying, wisest serpents, innocent doves. We have to yeah. be the wisest serpents part there and make sure we don't get ourselves into a place where, yeah. you know, this guy looked like he had the skill set, but somebody else might get slugged in the mouth. And then yeah. now you got somebody getting it for, you know, yeah. salt in the battery. I mean, you could you could heighten the situation like really fast. So yeah. you just you have to be careful. Yeah. By the way, speaking of careful, I, I'm sure you don't remember it, but it was probably over 20 years ago. I was in a situation with a guy and, and I was going to go give him some gas or something. All of a sudden, all my spidey senses started going off and I'm thinking, oh no, what am I doing here? And so I, I'm not sure if I got you or I got somebody else in the mission, but I, but I called for you. Yeah. And, uh, and again, I, it <clears throat> might have been you, it might have been somebody else that got referred to me, but I thought it was you said some version of the rule of thumb is if you feel unsafe, get out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember it, but I did do the benevolence at Christ's place, so it probably was me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always said that. You know, if you're not sure, just move on. It's it's uh, there's a time to you know, you, you know, we all have to be led by the Holy Spirit, too. Mm-hmm. So you know, I never want to ever take that away from somebody if they're really feeling led by God to to do something. To sure, go ahead and do it, but just be real careful because again, we don't know the whole story. Whatever we're seeing is just a glimpse of something. Yeah, we have no idea of the whole story. Yeah. And uh, we can try to react on what we're seeing, and we actually don't know anything, and we could get ourselves into trouble so fast. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to hear of maybe some things that are on the horizon, because uh, there's. I know you. You've always. You've always. You're always looking ahead. There's always something out there that uh, that you're dreaming up, and it's and it's always good. Well, at least so far. Uh, it's a friendly fire Saturday talking with Pastor Tom Barber here with the People City Mission. Uh, glad to have you along. Freshen up the coffee. Uh, we're just halfway home here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly fire with Stu Kearns, 1499 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning, talking with uh, Pastor Tom Barber here at the People City Mission. And uh, Pastor Tom, uh, you are one of the more creative people I've ever known because of your uh, business background and, you know, just just the way God wired you. Um, and so, uh, and, I, and a big part of what you've done is bring creative juice to different things like the, the, uh, the distribution center and so forth. Uh, any any uh, any ex- exciting ideas on the horizon for what you think uh, God might be calling the mission to do? Yeah, we are. You know, we certainly are looking at expanding, and I don't want to talk a whole lot about it because because I haven't got it yet. But we're trying to buy some land in front of us, and if we do, then I really want to come out to the public and talk about some. We have some concrete expansion plans to double the size of our shelter. Mm. That's what we're going to try to do, but. 
but I don't own the land yet, so I don't want to say we're going to do it and then have to come back here, you know, or go to the public later on and say, I was just kidding, you know, we're really not going to do it. So I'm not really going to talk a whole lot about it other than we're in the midst right now of trying yeah. to purchase some land and, and do our due diligence. And if that works, which I think could be over here very mm -hmm. soon, we'll be out in a month or so talking to the public about some major expansion plans of the of the shelter and why we need it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing on the horizon. I think the other thing just kind of uh, kind of revolves around our recycling. We're starting to grow that. And for people who don't know, that's been kind of a, one of our more successful ventures. Um, when I got to the mission in 04, Stu, we had a thrift store. And most nonprofits have thrift stores. You know, Catholic Social Services has thrift stores. Missions have thrift stores, different groups. And... What first got my attention wasn't financial. It was actually what we were doing. In our thrift store, it was located over on uh, 18th and O Street there. And um, we were selling the good stuff. And then what we weren't, they weren't taking, which a lot of it was kind of junky, we were passing out on N Street right behind it on, on uh, 18th and N uh, to people in need. And so I asked myself kind of, a philanthropic question. What if we could sell the bad stuff and give the good stuff away? And everyone kind of chuckled and so we went our way. But then we sort of fell into, not because we're smart, it was really accidental, this world of recycling. Mm. And here's what we quickly discovered to our amazement. All over the United States, you have these nonprofits running thrift stores and they don't make a lot of money at it. We were making about, uh, I think, 150000 maybe 20000 or so in profits and seeing 3,000 people out the back door with junk for the most part. Mm. Um, and that's pretty typical. And the reason you don't make a lot of money if you're a thrift store is because you don't have the volume. If you're Walmart, low prices and high volume really works wonders. Mm -hmm. Low prices and low volume doesn't have the same impact. <laughs> and, and that's sort of what happens in most of these thrift stores. They yeah. don't have the volume for the low pricing. And so they don't make a lot of money at it. But who is making a fortune out there is recyclers. And they're for-profit companies. And what they do is they run around and they find a charity and they give them five cents on the dollar. They stick their name on it. I think they were the March of Dimes boxes now. They're the zoo boxes. And you can see boxes all over the country with charities' names on it. Yeah. Well, they're only getting five cents. And I asked somebody, I said, if you gave me $100 right now, Stu, after I finished because you're so excited about me being on your radio show, and I gave, and I used $5 for the homeless and 95 for administration, how would you feel about giving me another $100? Yeah, that'd, that'd end probably would. Quick. Yeah, yeah, it would end quick. And, and that's the problem with those boxes is because it's the for profit that's making all the money, uh, not not the not the nonprofit. And so, in a sense, it's 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 not you know the the for profit's making a lot. The the charity's doing great. They're making a little bit, but they're doing nothing for it. So they're plenty excited about it. But you, rather than your clothes, are being taken to the cleaners because it's just such a low slow margin mm -hmm. on what anything that's actually going to the cause that's on that box. So we thought, well, wow, we could go into this business and what we would do is start sorting our clothing when we get donations, put the best stuff out for people in need, and then where they don't take away of extra, we start to recycle. Well, I told you we made 150000 in 07, and we made $2 million recycling last mm. year. We wow. made 250000 in profits, and mm. we now have over 28,000 duplicated people coming to our help center mm. because we give away great stuff, and it's mm. all free. And so... People, if they're interested, can go on uh, YouTube and just type in People City Mission Help Center. Mm. People City Mission Help Center on YouTube. And this is like a two-minute video, but it's like a bed, bath, and beyond in there. People grab all kinds of things for free 
And all mm-hmm. we do is recycle the clothing and shoes that they don't take. Mm-hmm. And now <clears throat> we've got boxes all the way out to Kearney. In fact, we opened a warehouse in Kearney because another thing that happened to us by accident is the Optimus Club came along and said, would you put one of your donation boxes out in the Waverly? And we thought, well, we can't because we collect all the clothing at Waverly's too far. We said, no, we can't do it. So they said, well, what if we bought a box? And I think it were $1,200 back then. This was a while ago. And um, what we'll do is we'll put it in Waverly. We'll use our volunteers, you know, because it's a service group, mm-hmm. to load the boxes and bring the, the pro- bring all the clothing to you. And let's just split the proceeds if you recycle it. And I said, well, okay. Well, they made six grand their first year on a box that they paid $1,200 for. So that, that was a pretty cool deal. Mm. So they started. Then we had other groups do it. Concordia College has got a box. Churches have boxes. We mm. have like 30 boxes outside of Lincoln of people that are getting clothing and using volunteers to come bring it to us. And they're paying for the box in the first couple of months. Uh, I think here, uh, St. Mark's Methodist Church has a couple of our boxes. Mm. And so it's been, a, it's been an incredible deal. And it's allowed us to expand greatly. In fact, we just opened a small warehouse in Kearney. Mm. And the reason this is so important to us is, you know, we get about 10% of our revenue but it costs a lot of money to run the mission. Last year, we raised and spent over $20 million mm. on homelessness. Mm. And we had less than 1% of that come from federal, or not, there were no federal grants from United Way or grants of any kind, less than 1%. And so we really aren't grant-driven, but, mm. but we have a huge demand for our services. And so we can only take donations so far. And mm. we're trying to build this new shelter, hopefully here in the next couple of years. To fund that, we're going to need another source of income besides donations. And so recycling is a really big thing for us. And we're mm. hoping to expand it to three, four, five million dollars in recycling, in which we could then say maybe thirty percent of our revenue is coming from recycling and seventy percent from donations. And uh, and that's kind of how we'd like to do it to mm. kind of fund the mission as it kind of goes forward. So it's really self contained and mm. it really doesn't need any federal help, no state help, no real city help necessarily. It can fund itself. And yeah. uh, that's what we're trying to do here in the next three to five years. So we are building our recycling business, and we are, uh, you know, obviously continue to uh, to try to expand our services and do what we can. But it is kind of a unique animal because we're sort of solving poverty through entrepreneurship rather than through grant funding, and it's a different kind of way of doing it. Yeah. But it works really good. Yes. Well, it's nice to have, uh, I mean, that's that's the gift mix you bring into this thing, right? I mean, that's your background is in, uh, you know, is, is in business. It is, but I got to tell you, it's been the Lord's hand who's done so much. Yeah. And I don't just say that uh, to be to throw the Lord a, a bone. Uh, it really is. I remember one time uh, we were down in money and I thought we were going to go under because what happens is from a cash standpoint, we use up a lot of cash in the first 10 months. We get 40% of all our donations in the last two months of the year. Mm-hmm. And our costs are even throughout the year. So as we grow... You need some cash to get you through those first 10 months. And we were down, and I thought we were in real trouble. We were praying, and suddenly, uh, one, the attorney general before Doug Peterson, I forget his name now, um, mm. suddenly walks and said, here's uh, $800,000. We said the cities, uh, the state settled the thing, and we just wanted to give it to three different groups, and you're one of them, and, and basically got us through the mm. remainder of that year. And I can share all kinds of things like that have happened, that God has really just opened doors that... Marketing mm. wouldn't have done it, you know, simply yeah. doing it in marketing and your business knowledge wouldn't have got you there. Yeah. And so, so has the Lord used some of my marketing knowledge? Sure. But, uh, but is, is that what's really caused this to happen? Not really. I sometimes get embarrassed when people give me the credit because God's really done it. Plus 
as I always taught when I was teaching sales and marketing at UNL, I used to say, which is true, uh, I used to quote Edison. He said that, you know, uh, genius is, or, or, or success is, you know, I think 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. Mm. And I found success in business is the same way. You, your ideas and your ability to direct and kind of navigate things, it's about 10 or 20%. What really matters is your ability to execute. Mm. It's implementation that wins the day. And it's my mm. staff that implements. Yeah. And so the real credit goes to my staff because they've implemented this. You know, I can point the right way, but that doesn't mean you can do it. Yeah. I used to tell my classes, you you can dream all you want, but unless you can make dreams come true, it mm-hmm. doesn't do you a whole lot of good. And yeah. uh, that's what my staff has done. So a lot of credit to go around there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, first give God the credit. Uh, I'll, I'll second that motion. That's right. Give the Lord the credit. We're going to take our last break. When we come back, do we'll do a little shameless plug. And... Uh, and who knows? Uh, I, I even have something to plug this week. So uh, we'll, we'll be right back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3-KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3-KLIN. It is a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kurds talking to Pastor Tom Barber. And Pastor Tom... I mean, we, you know, we're always plugging things, but this is the official part of the program where we do a shameless plug. So I you know, anything left, the, you know, the website, the YouTube, the well, you name it, now is the time. Plug away. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay. Well, I didn't come with a lot of plugs, but let me start. Um, you know, we're going to do our 13th annual Starry Night, so I plug that. It's going to be again mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at the Gateway Mall, and mm-hmm. that happens the day before Thanksgiving and that weekend after. And... Uh, we have a, a bunch of Christmas trees with $1,500 worth of decorations on them. It's free for people to come see, uh, all kinds of stuff. Great way to get ready for Christmas. Mm. We always encourage people to do that. Um, right now, the Y is doing a, a major coat drive for us, the YMCA, with all their locations if people want to do that. Um, we've got uh, various groups doing drives, and I just encourage people, if you see a drive for the mission and you're interested, there's all different businesses that are trying to do some stuff right now. Church of Latter-day Saints is doing a glove drive for us um, mm-hmm. for dry, gloves. Um, we just were talking with Raising Canes, and they're looking to do a diaper drive for us. And, and just a lot of different businesses that kind of connect with us. And those are really critical to the mission because those drives really help us get to some of the supplies that we need. So that would be my one big plug. And, of course, you know, I tell people a lot, you know, there's a lot of great agencies in Lincoln to support, but support somebody because we all can give something, you know, and I've often said, if we all give a little, we can change a lot. But, you know, the truth is it doesn't take people giving a lot of money to make a difference to it. Just a lot of people giving a little bit. Mm-hmm. We started a campaign and we've sort of slowed down now because the price of food, but we call it 251. And mm-hmm. back then it was true. One, we could buy a meal for somebody for $2.51. And we said, if you, Senator Stu, would agree your commitment would be to buy one meal for one homeless person once a month for $2.51. You can afford that. Mm-hmm. And we got 22,000 people to join you. We could feed all the homeless in the city forever. Mm-hmm. And you simply give us the price of a cup of coffee once a month. And my point in doing that is that it doesn't take lots of money. It just talks a lot of people giving a little bit. And if you don't have $2.51, everyone's got time. Volunteer your time. Mm-hmm. We've got things in our closet we don't need that can make major differences to people. Everybody can do something. Mm-hmm. And if we got more people giving, because a lot of people don't give, it's unfortunate, but it's true. But if we had everyone giving something, time, things, you could make such a dent in poverty. And that's where the solution to poverty is. It's not with the government. 
It's in the public because the public has all the stuff. The mm-hmm. government is just an intermediary. Think about it. They get their money from you through taxes. Mm-hmm. The government's just an intermediary. That's not where the money's at. They're not through foundations. They're in the public. Mm-hmm. There are no scarce resources. When I first got the mission, I heard the scarce resource argument. It's bogus. I mean, we didn't grow mm-hmm. from a million to over $20 million outside the typical system because there's scarce resources. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of resources. Yeah. What there's a lack of is imagination. What there's a lack of is the ability to know how to connect people to the gift and help people really get encouraged to give. There's a lack of that, but there's not a lack of scarcity of resources. Yes. There's plenty of resources. And uh, we just we just need to encourage people to give. And, you know, for the mission, if they want to give, a, you know, any size gift m- makes a big difference. You know, $10 will buy a couple, three meals right now to somebody. Buy a family, a woman with her two daughters at dinner tonight. I mean, Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't take a lot for us yeah. to do something. What is that website the, uh, for the yeah. mission? Our, our website is pcmlincoln.org. PCM stands for People City Mission. We used to put peoplecitymission.org. People would forget the S and nobody could find us. So <laughs> we dumped that and we went to PCM. Gotcha. That's for P- pcmlincoln.org, uh, and that's our website. And gotcha. then we have a really active Facebook page, which is at PCM Lincoln. Uh, same with our Twitter account. I don't do a lot of social media. I have a bunch of Gen Zs that do it all for me, you know, and uh, that's a good thing because yeah. I, I'm just really not there. But uh, we have a very active media, but uh, but it's not because of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, well, hey, that's that's right. That's why you have those Gen Zers around. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, by the way, one real quick shameless plug. Speaking of stuff at Zion, we have so much stuff that we have to have two rummage sales a year, and so our rummage sale is coming up this uh, follow this next weekend, Thursday. Friday and then next Saturday, and uh, so if you if you need stuff, we got stuff. We got so much stuff that we have to do it twice a year, and you'll be amazed. And then whatever stuff we don't use, uh, again we give away to someone else's rummage sale, or I mean I don't know. Some of it might go to the mission, but in any case, Stu, we're just going to Stu. Stu, yeah. we'll take your stuff. <laughs> All right, maybe may that's where it's going. I'm not sure, yeah. but I'll I'll make I'll I'll duly noted, duly noted. Uh, just about uh, three minutes left, uh, Tom. Um, we started off with a question of need yeah. in the community, and the community is growing. The need is not getting smaller. The need is getting greater. Um, at what point? Uh, at what point does the does the system just break? Uh, it seems like we're always because of the work of the mission and others like you that we're we're kind of we're kind of floating our noses kind of above the water. But uh, what it, when you look to the future and you see the needs, and I know you're, you know, the possibility of expanding and everything, but, but, um, but where, where are we headed as far as, as you can see as you look at the future and just the growth of the community and the growth of the needs? Yeah, I think when I look at the future, just where we're at as a country and a society and just what's happening, uh, the need to help others is just going to grow and it's never going to stop. And we're not going to be able to help everybody, but we can help the people we can you know, and uh, um, it's like that analogy where there's so many seashells on the shore, you can't throw them all back. And someone said, why bother? Well, a guy picked up a seashell and threw it and said, it would help that one, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think we have to have that attitude. We help the people we can, and there's never going to be a, a, a lack. You know, Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. He was not kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will be. There's mm-hmm. always going to be people in need. There's no way that as a society, at least the way we're structured today, that that's ever going to end. But our ability to help people is always there. And 
We each have different ways of helping and different opportunities. The key is to take advantage of where we're at, not look at what somebody else is doing. But the question is for all of us to look at ourselves and say, what is it can I do and to whom? And uh, I think everyone did that. This would be a much better place, and a lot of the suffering would, would slow down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there are... Uh, uh, uh... I know that few people recently have even started volunteering at the mission. Do you, I assume that still is an ongoing need as well. Yes, we had over 25,000 volunteers last year, and yeah. that continues to grow, and that, that does not fill our need. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a lot of opportunities in a lot of different ways. And I encourage this with people, whether it's the mission or somebody else, when you volunteer, volunteer at something that you're passionate about. Support what you're passionate about, because when you do that, not only do they benefit from you, uh, you benefit from them because what you can do is self-actualize, mm-hmm. Stu. You can yep. get real meaning and purpose in your life when you're doing something you think you're called to do mm. that's very, very valuable to the human psyche. And yeah. so, you know, find that thing that you like and do it with all your might. Absolutely. Uh, hey, thanks so much for taking time to come down today, sure. Pastor Tom. I appreciate it. You bet. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, And again, if you want to learn more about what's going on at the mission, Again, get on, get on the social media, watch the YouTube videos, or go to pcmlincoln.org. And uh, again, the needs are not going to become less, they're going to become greater. And uh, I know that there's a way that you can do something that'll, that'll move the needle. Uh, thanks for being here today, Pastor Tom. You bet. My, my pleasure. God bless you, Stu. All right. God bless you. And uh, I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.